0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network this is anything but footy where to start the greatest comeback in sporting history how did tiger woods win his fifth masters the 83rd at augusta national and wasn't it great that so many people could see it on terrestrial tv Or does it not matter anymore? Do we just need social media and Twitter? Talking of comebacks, back with a bang and a gold around his neck again, Max Whitlock. He does Great Britain proud at the European Gymnastics. And the new name and one to watch, also top of the podium, Alice Kinsella. We've been genning up on street, park and even vert skateboarding ahead of Tokyo 2020. And can Steve cram it all in? Should he be allowed to? And the Anniversary Games, World Diving Series and the Fed Cup, all coming to the London Olympic Park. It's all to come. I'm a rather breathless John, with all the excitement.
1: And I'm a rather breathless Michael, enjoying free to air sport on a Sunday afternoon on terrestrial television you can get in touch with us on the Olympic and Paralympic podcast where we focus on sport which doesn't involve transfer, tittle, tattle and the managerial merry-go-round we won't be discussing VAR and weekly wage packets instead, it's gymnastics skateboarding, hockey, golf, athletics diving, gaming and much much more. Anything but F on Twitter, you can find us on Facebook on Instagram, on YouTube you can also email us footy at gmail.com and do me a favour this week please British Podcast Awards are coming very soon so go to britishpodcastawards.com there is a Listener's Choice Award there and you can vote for anything but footy as your favourite go-to podcast
0: Mm, absolutely we talk olympic and paralympic sports we're openly biased and all week we've been planning to kick off with gymnastics because it has been the european championships but i'm sorry max and the team you did us proud but with golf and olympic sport returning of course to rio for the first time in a hundred years a couple of years ago we have to start there um, for this uh, edition of anything but footy and tiger woods so 15 majors Five masters. Uh, he won, of course, the 83rd master at Augusta National uh, by a shot. Uh, 22 years since his first major tournament success, 14 years since his last one, and 11 years since his last major. I mean, this is an incredible story and a comeback in sporting terms that I just really can't think about. From my generation, Michael, you know, Tiger Woods is a year older than us. He has been one of the greatest sportsmen around, arguably one of the greatest. But from everything that went wrong from 2009 to 2017, car crashes, divorces, arrests, drink drugs. Unbelievable. And there he was putting on the final hole, the 18th hole, uh, just a few foot uh, to win. He bogeyed the last, but he won that tournament, his fifth Masters. And I hate um, about American golf, all the screaming and the yelping and the go Team USA. But the noise at the National with Tiger Woods and the pictures of him hugging his son, his daughter, his mum. Unforgettable scenes for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely unbelievable scenes there on the 18th green and, and great that we got to watch it, as I said, on terrestrial TV. I've not seen a sporting comeback like that for, well, maybe my entire life. I'm struggling. I've been struggling to think of one quite as good as Tiger Woods. I think all the other things that you mentioned, we must take into account. We can't ignore that. But on anything but footy, we do, we do like to talk about sporting prowess. So mm. let's concentrate first and foremost on the sporting prowess. and what he was was always in the hunt, wasn't he? Right over the last four days. And actually, although it was pretty exciting with the likes of Francesco Molinari and others um, giving it a go on the final day, I actually think at all points and, you know, I watched quite a lot of the golf over the last four days. He just seemed in control. He seemed back in that groove. Now, you know, back in the day, he seemed to have this entitlement, didn't he, Tiger Woods, that he was going to win. It seems now that he's playing for enjoyment more. And I wonder whether that has just been the, the reason why we've seen this magnificent turnaround. But let's talk about that point as well. Only two days. You have 16 days of major golf in the calendar year and only two days available on terrestrial TV. Sky have the rights to... All five of the women's major tournaments, all four of the men's major tournaments now. They've got the PGA back after it spent a year with 11 sports and uh, previously the BBC showed that. Sky Show, 100 tournaments in total. But we saw that triumph by Tiger Woods. We saw those two days, the final two rounds on BBC television. Mm. And that will inspire children in these Easter school holidays to probably go out and swing a golf club tomorrow i remember growing up watching the likes of sandy lyle watching jean van der Velde at the british open the open championship which was on the bbc between 1955 and 2015 that for me was four days in my summer that i wanted to sit and watch the golf we don't get that option anymore and i just wonder the impact of tiger woods's victory today both in terms of golf in this country golf in america golf around the world because he is such a recognizable figure i think it will have a tremendous impact in in just maybe picking up those numbers which have been dramatically declining of people playing the sport
0: yeah you're right i mean i you know i remember watching sandy lyle and ian woosnam um you know win those, those green jackets um of course and you, you you know and and as you rightly say you know on terrestrial television it makes such a difference because you know we talked about it uh, in a previous edition of anything but fully 10 million people watch the grand national this year and you know you forget the power of terrestrial tv now you are absolutely right michael sky have pumped a lot of cash into golf you know they have their own sky sports golf channel and they want people to sign up and and watch it week in week out but I just wonder whether this is a clever way of how we, we move kind of major sports broadcasting forward in this country. Because, you know, Sky do it with Formula One, where they allow Channel 4, a few of the big races to show as well, to keep that, as you say, interest going and and maybe some young people uh, getting into it who might not see it on a, on a weekly basis on Sky. Uh, and, and, and also, you know, with this golf, the fact that for two days... And and it was the most important two days, the last two days. But actually, if you're a golf fan, you'll go and find it on a Thursday and Friday elsewhere. But actually make it open for everybody else. And you just wonder, are other sports uh, looking um, to maybe do this in the future? Is this a way that they can reach out to an audience and not just attract the fans, but also the wider audience, and one of the reasons why we, we do this podcast, Michael, is to reach out to the to the to the, to everybody who's interested in Olympic and Paralympic sport and doesn't know that it's happening week in, week out because you just don't get the coverage. And even with these big sporting events, maybe that's what they need to think about going forward. And it's interesting with the Olympics because right now in this country, Discovery, the the, multi, the massive media company from America, or Eurosport, they own Eurosport in this country, and and the likes of Quest. Um, uh, on the on the TV uh, channels as well that they have the Olympic rights for uh, this country moving forward and you just wonder uh, which means the BBC will be able to show less Olympic sport as the next few Olympics come through and they'll have to be a bit more picky and choosy but there will be uh, you know the chance to see it on 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 the satellite as well and see you in all its glory but you know should more sports rather than putting all their eggs in one basket like the cricket the cricket World Cup this year is taking place in this country and frankly nobody knows is going on apart from your cricket fans and even when it's going on it won't be on terrestrial TV should they rather than put all their eggs in one basket should they reach out to try and get new fans rather than just the fans they've got
1: Yeah, the point you made about the Olympics is excellent because we, I don't think, will ever see a repeat of London 2012 where we got streams of every session in every sport and we were able to watch that all courtesy of the BBC. You look at those big medal moments at recent Olympic Games, the medal moments that brought a nation together, the huge viewing figures that you got on Super Saturday, for example. Why did we have those? Why did people sit down and watch a linear TV broadcast? Because it was available on BBC One. You look at England reaching the World Cup semifinal Finals under Gareth Southgate last year, huge terrestrial TV audiences. Would the 2003 Rugby World Cup triumph be so ingrained in all of us? Would we all know exactly how Johnny Wilkinson kicked that rugby ball over those posts down under if we hadn't seen it on ITV on that Saturday morning? And you look back, you know, to the 80s, and I know I'm going to sound a little bit like a, an old man talking yeah. about a bygone age here, but people like Barry McGuigan. Frank Bruno, they were instantly recognisable boxers and that's because they were fighting on BBC One or on ITV on a Saturday night to huge terrestrial TV audiences. You stick all those people now behind the pay-per-view, the box office button and I was with a world boxing champion yesterday at Ellen Road in Josh Warrington but Josh Warrington, great guy, fantastic boxer, he's going to look to try and defend that world title later on this summer drew a huge local audience because he's a Leeds boxer to Ellen Road for his first world title fight, but he can pretty much walk down the street in most of the country completely unbothered. Frank Bruno couldn't do that. Barry McGuigan couldn't do that. And the reason why is because 10, 15 million were watching them in their heyday.
0: We're going to talk more TV uh, to come on anything but footy. But quickly on Tiger Woods, is he the greatest sportsman now of all time? Roger Federer, I think, probably up there uh, for our generation. If you ask my father, Muhammad Ali is still the, is still the greatest. But could, you know, could this propel Tiger Woods back to that? Or, or is golf slightly different because you can play it when you're a bit older?
1: I just think, and going back to the -the off-the-course problems that he had... I think that will always cloud some people's judgment. You look at someone like Roger Federer. He seems to have have led a perfect life. Now, we love our sporting heroes that, you know, have these little failures. We love the likes of Alex Higgins. We love the likes of George Best. These these non-perfect sportsmen, these geniuses that kind of just trod that line between, you know, kind of just going off the rails and just staying there or thereabouts in elite sport. You look at someone like Roger Federer. You look at other people like Steve Redgrave or whatever. They've never had the scandal, have they, in their life that, you know, Tiger Woods had. And I just think that people will always, always throw that at him, if you like. But in in terms of sheer sporting glory, he's got to be there or thereabouts with, you know, the likes of Jack Nicholas, with the likes of Muhammad Ali, with the likes of, you know, other fantastic sportsmen that we've seen both on an Olympic, a Paralympic, and a world stage over the past few years.
0: Well, you mentioned Olympic. He's still got to do one thing. He's got to get an Olympic gold medal. And uh, maybe time is right for Tokyo. Come on, Tiger. Come over to Tokyo. Uh, get that gold medal round your neck, uh, along with all of your um, major slams and the Ryder Cup, of course. That uh, that He hasn't had a great Ryder Cup record, but he has won it uh, a couple of times. So, uh, more TV talk to come, but on to the gymnastics. The European Championships in Poland have been taking place and another brilliant performance from British gymnastics. One of the big hopes, of course, for medals at Tokyo 2020. And two golds, a silver and a bronze for British Gymnastics. Nine finals for the men, six finals for the women, and some amazing performances, Michael.
1: Yeah, but was it fun? Did you watch much of the European championships in <laughs> Poland it was a great performance you know we're seeing new well, it was stars fun like for i Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying you saw new stars like Alice Kinsella come through winning her gold on the balance beam she's won a gold on, at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast she's 18 years of age fantastic sort of strength in depth as far as uh, women's gymnastics is in this country and a fantastic record of converting the number of athletes that go to an olympic games into medals we've spoken about that before but when you watch barry hearn's superstars of gymnastics which was on recently at the o2 max whitlock was there simone biles was there eight thousand people you saw flossing on the parallel bars you saw a floor routine with the funky chicken you know there was golden buzzers for gymnastics were the european championships fun like the superstars of gymnastics was fun
0: I tell you what, winning gold medals is fun week in, week out and uh, look Max Whitlock back on top of the podium you know he had a year of silvers last year you saw him at the Commonwealth Games at the Gold Coast and he he missed out on the pommel horse after winning it uh, in Rio of course and it shows that this is a comeback you know he hasn't been overtaken and you know in the final he he was top ranking in qualification 15.033 which is a great score but he upped that difficulty level and it proved a masterclass 15.533 points his second European pommel gold medal. And he admitted afterwards, of course, he's a new dad, wife and baby Willow, of course watching at home as well. And he said, look, the build-up has been a big learning curve for me. There's lots of pressure and expectation put on me, which I've had to learn to cope with. This gives me a huge confidence boost. And with the likes of Bryn Bevan, who reached the Pommel and Parallel Bells final, Joe Fraser and James Hall in the all-round final, Courtney Tullock in the rings and the vault final, uh, and uh, James Hall also in the high ball bar. Unfortunately, he, he fell and is uh, having his injury assessed and uh, A quick word on Dom Cunningham, who fell awkwardly uh, in the vault as well after uh, reaching the floor final. So he couldn't compete uh, in the weekend and and is having scans when he returns on his right leg uh, back in this country. You know, they will have great fun competing together, winning medals for Great Britain, winning it for themselves. Uh, And you mentioned as well, Alice Kinsella. I mean, I watched her uh, in, in action and, you know, she's 18 years of age. You know she does a backflip onto the beam, Michael. I mean, the, the, you know, the, is, is that fun? <laughs> is, yes, it's it's ten centimeters wide. It's that's four inches in old money. I mean, this is a ridiculous achievement. She's the first British uh, gymnast to win European gold in the beam. You know, such a historic, such an iconic bit of apparatus. And she's eighteen years of old. And what I loved about her, and this is what's fun, Michael, as well, is she, she was virtually in tears uh, after the all round. Oh, you where, like
1: to see. People- People crying. That's no. that's John's idea of fun. No,
0: but what I like to see is comebacks and people like Tiger Woods, like Max Whitlock, who've got something to prove. And Alice Alice Kinsella in 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 not in the same way, but she came back and she, you know, won this medal and she went first and she had to watch everybody else perform in front of her. Absolutely amazing. So look, you can keep your flossing. Um, I'm just into the <laughs> funky chicken you can definitely keep the funky chicken you know I mean what a performance from the from the British uh, gymnasts in, in, in Poland and, and well done to all of them they absolutely achieved brilliantly and just a quick word on Ellie Downey who won a silver and a bronze as well 19 years of old a two ankle operations. She was the reigning champion in the all-round. She was pipped to gold by a French woman called Meneli Dos jesus Dos Santos. Her name was longer than some of her performances, but absolutely well done to her, but well done to Ellie Downing. A silver in the all-round and then a bronze in the vault final as well. It was quite a weekend.
1: And the return of Claudia Fragapani, of course, who won four medals at the Commonwealth Games in 2014. So we are maybe picking out some names to watch there for Tokyo 2020, Alice Kinsella being one of those. In another sport, skateboarding, we might have a 11-, 12-year-old, Sky Brown there. 10-year-old Sky Brown won gold at the UK Championships in Salford in the sport of skateboarding this weekend. She's aiming to become Great Britain's youngest ever Olympian in 2020. 140 skateboarders were all aiming to get points to qualify for Tokyo they all took part uh, sky brown and three others are on what is called the uh, gb aspirational squad uh, there was competition finals in park and street and sky brown was one of those champions she will now return to her base in the us before coming back to compete in the National Surfing Championships, which take place in Cornwall in May. She says she wishes she could have done better. And for me, John, that is the mark of a true champion because Mm. you look at someone like Paralympian Hannah Cockroft, five-time Paralympic gold medalist in in London and Rio. And whenever I've interviewed her after any medal she's ever won, she's never happy. (laughs) And that, I think, is what drives her on to greater and bigger success. And Sky Brown, despite becoming British champion at the age of 10, was not happy.
0: No, indeed she wasn't. And this was the first UK Skateboard Championships in Salford. uh, And we had to get our understanding about what a street final was for the men and women and a park final. So the street final, and this is something for Tokyo because this is where, you know, you're going to see this in action on the telly, on terrestrial telly, as we've been mentioning. Uh, The street final is any kind of flat terrain. It's usually mixed in with handrails and stairs. Yes, skateboarding down handrails, quite incredible. And then the park final is a mix of street and vert skateboarding and vert is short for vertical um, so you know all, all on the large ramps that you see in some parks around the country as well so boarding is here to stay it's in the uh, Tokyo Olympics 2020 and uh, as you say one under Sky Brown the 10 year old looking to become the Britain's youngest ever Olympian and maybe across two sports now we've discussed on anything but footy the vacuum at the top of British sport still plenty of gaps if anyone wants to give Michael or myself a call uh, however Steve Cram a apparently has put himself forward as chairman of UK Athletics or UKA or British Athletics team basically uh, to you and me. The former mile world record holder is among the leaning candidates to replace Richard Bowker. Now he's the lead commentator of course at the BBC. We've talked a lot about them today. Uh, not the CEO so it's more of an overseeing role as the chairman. So what's the problem Michael? Why Why can't Steve Cram do this?
1: Well I've said this for a long time. I think there is a Closeness and it's too close between some of the broadcasts of some of our sports and some of the experts that we see on television. And now Steve Cram is the lead voice in this country on the sport of track and field, the lead voice on athletics. He is the senior broadcaster of that team. Now, if that British athletics team, who are very well funded and will take vast numbers, go to Tokyo, and they fail to hit their medal targets, are we going to see ourselves in a position where Steve Cram will need to criticise the body that he is in charge of? You know, I have to say that Steve Cram has various other roles other than being a BBC commentator, and I watch a lot of athletics, and I watch a lot of athletics on BBC television because they have the lion's share of the rights. Now, I've never noticed before Steve Cram showing any kind of bias towards people like Laura Waitman that he trains. He's also an advisor to the endurance programme of British Athletics. He has been a chair of the English Institute of Sport. And I've always thought that he's trodden that path pretty well, to be honest, between, between you know, the... The inclusion that he has in the sport and the closeness that he has in the sport, but also then, of course, being removed enough that he has to then, as a broadcaster, be a journalist over it. I have felt that some of the athletics coverage on television has been a little bit cheerleading at times. You know, I can remember being in Birmingham when there was, you know, a lot of stories in newspapers around Mo Farah and he decided not to compete and it was kind of brushed over. Because the people in the commentary box, the analysers that are paid to talk about him, were probably too close to the athlete and too close to the programme. That's why I think we enjoy hearing the views of people like Michael Johnson, Daley Thompson, Tony Minocello, because essentially they're outsiders to the programme. Therefore, they probably can be more honest. If Steve Cram is the lead voice of athletics in this country, and also then the chair of British Athletics, I think it is two roles that he will find very, very difficult to marry up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Seb Coe obviously ran London 2012. He's now in charge of the IAAF, the uh, UK, uh, sorry, the world governing body of athletics. Now, he opts to be interviewed but he doesn't commentate does he you know he he doesn't ha- he doesn't influence uh, what um uh, you know has a say on his performance he he's asked questions and he answers them he doesn't comment on it so i suppose that's the question is how can someone or well, when can someone be a commentator or when can someone just have a comment and i think it's interesting we were talking about gymnastics and i noticed this this afternoon um uh, michael in particular alice kinsella her coach is christine still who is Who's
1: the commentator,
0: who is the BBC commentator. So after a performance on the floor, she said, what a great routine. It was very clean. I'm absolutely thrilled. Now, I don't know whether she's talking about her as her coach or is she talking about her as in this is a performance I've watched. I've judged it against everybody else. And as a commentator, I think she did great. I'm really thrilled for her. And it was a clean routine. And and I, I struggle with that. I think you have to be really open. And and actually, what they should have done is someone else should have commentated on her and at the end said, Christine, you coach, Alice, what did you think of that? And then that is a comment rather than commentating. There is an issue, and I think someone needs to, to look at that ahead of as we go into another Olympic year uh, of 2020. Right, let's uh, run. Go on, Michael, go on.
1: I was just going to say, I'll just take you back very briefly to London 2012 and obviously Team GB House Uh, was there obviously just on the edge of the park and what I noticed when I was into Team GB house every day was that people that were commentating on the radio and the television at various events were then in as part of the setup later on in the afternoon and I just found that at the time a little bit disturbing maybe that's you know overstating a little bit but uh, exactly what you say there Christine Steele the commentator Christine Steele the coach she obviously has something to add she has some input she should be you know quoted about her her gymnast who's just in there but should she be the commentator should she be leading that broadcast i'm not sure
0: Hmm. let's run through some other news quickly we bring you all the details Olympic and Paralympic every week anything but footy uh, the London Olympic Park we talked about in a previous edition five years it's been open to the public now 27 million people have been through it and they're staging some of the big sport in the coming weeks Olympic champion Jack Law and world champion Tom Daly will headline the Great Britain team when they contest the final of the uh final leg of the 2019 FINA Diving World Series. It's at the Aquatic Centre, uh, May the 17th to the 19th. And then Dina Asher-Smith will be joined by a trio of Olympic a World Sprint medalists at the Muller Anniversary Games at the uh, London Olympic Stadium, July 20th and 21st. And Great Britain have named an unchanged team for their Fed Cup World Group two playoff against Kazakhstan which begins on April 20th we're talking tennis here British number one Johanna Conter, joined by Katie Balter Heather Watson Harriet Dart and Katie Swan and the London Copper Box Arena uh, staging this for the first time if we win we return to World Group 2 for the first time since 1993 and and huge running events have been taking place right across the week Michael you've been at one th- as well uh, today as well
1: Yeah, it's been a huge weekend. There's been the big Brighton Marathon Festival across the weekend. I know lots of people that have been taking part in the Sheffield half. And I was in Stockton-on-Tees today down by the riverside there for the duathlon that was taking place. Over 700 participants, the seventh year of the Stockton-on-Tees duathlon. So I think you can pretty much put that down as a 2012 legacy event. And I think for a town like Stockton-on-Tees, it's a town punching above its weight as far as sport is concerned. They've got a big uh, two-day cycling festival coming up later on in the summer. They previously hosted the British Road Race Cycling Championships. And the big one, the big coup that they've got, is the City Games are relocating from the Quayside in Newcastle to the Riverside in Stockton in wow. September. This is the event that always goes coincides, if you like, with the Great North Run. It was the event where Greg Rutherford retired last year after his final jump. And Stockton on Tees has bid and won it this year. So that's going to be fantastic. It's going to be live on the television. And as I said, for a town like Stockton on Tees, really punching above its weight as far as bringing major sporting events great organization today the council and the organizers of the duathlon i thought they put on a fantastic event today i spoke to dozens of people afterwards and everyone thoroughly enjoyed it and we've said this before but i just look back at 2012 and look at these mass participation events whether it's a duathlon today a triathlon whether it's a 10k run and i just see numbers building and building for these events
0: one more bit for us, Uh, 500 days to go before the Paralympic Games Tokyo 2020 and the IPC has announced the creation of its first official video game with the aim of boosting the popularity of Paralympic sports and reaching out to the youth market, it's all about youth, all the time all about youth, we've talked boarding uh, we've talked bouldering in the last few weeks the Pegasus Dream Tour is a completely new sports role playing game where players participate in a virtual Paralympic Games that takes place inside a fantasy metropolis known as pegasus city michael i struggle with daily thompson's decathlon i'll I'll have a go at pegasus city but you know i I struggled with daily
1: i'm just wondering with gaming aiming to be included in a future olympic games are we going to see a paralympian winning a paralympic gold medal playing the paralympic video game Or is that just one step too many? A couple of other just final bits of business. Uh, 20 years of age, Emma Wilson has won a bronze medal. Congratulations to her at the Windsurfing European Championships in Mallorca. And bringing an end to a fantastic international hockey career, Yorkshire's Barry Middleton, the most capped player in Great Britain and England hockey history, 400 432 caps, 119 goals over 16 years. He's been to four Olympics, four Commonwealth Games, four World Cups, eight European Championships, fourth at London 2012. He's on an extended break at the moment, but he has stepped down the uh, Great Britain and England hockey captain from international hockey. We wish Barry Middleton well.
0: We certainly do. Get in touch anytime at anything but F on Twitter, Facebook, Insta, iTunes, Spotify, your usual podcast provider. Please like us, rate us, share us, download it. And also, as Michael said as well, those British Podcast Awards. Listener's choice. You need to put anything but footy. It's been all about comebacks. We'll come back next week.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.